Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Paddy Farrell. What do you Welcome. want to shout at the beginning, Gary? Everyone else is like, oh, like I'll just tune into my favorite podcast, and then Gary's like, Welcome! Because this is what happens to me sometimes when I'm listening to my AirPods. I put on a podcast, and if the volume's down really low, I'm like, is it on yet? Is it on? So I want people to know that it's on. Well, most people don't do that. Most people have earphones that actually work and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm very impaired. They have their volume turned up to a level that is acceptable for them. And then you come on and you go, boom, screaming into your microphone. Good. It's like when people have intros to their podcasts, you know, it's a pre-recorded one and it's like a hundred million fucking decibels. And then their actual podcast is like, oh, my God. what are they what are they even saying why do they have to have their intro at a million and then their actual speaking at five um but anyway look that is beside the point we are here to talk about fat loss we are continuing on with the fat loss series um, and today we're going to talk about protein which sounds somewhat kind of boring you're like oh this is not the the meat and potatoes of fat loss but unfortunately or fortunately, um, protein is really important for fat loss and long-term weight maintenance. And, and people kind of just brush it aside. Like I would say, if you want to do have a really effective fat loss intervention that is actually relatively easy to implement in the general population, you would just go, all right, what's the easiest thing we can just get people to add to their diet? Because you know people don't like feeling restricted. They don't like being uh, subtracted. They don't like stuff being subtracted from their lives. So if you go, right, all I want you to do is add protein to your diet, all of a sudden we get fat loss, you know? And this happens across the board, you know, and it leads to very positive outcomes, right? So you would wonder, why do people just ignore it? And there's a multitude of reasons for that. Unfortunately, um, especially, well, one of the reasons, and it's especially annoying, is that people are just fed awful, awful, awful information, um, toxic information, if you will, um, and it's passed off as good information. You know, people are all real quick these days to be like, oh, like we need to, you know, have cancel culture. And, you know, they talk about the pros and cons of that. I'm like, I'm still waiting for all of this. Like people literally on like, uh, whatever, social media, I already use social media, but social medias, um, they'll have like, you know, warnings being like, oh, this is, you know, if you want to get real COVID information, you know, click here to this thing, you know, or if you need like, this is, this political fact is disputed or whatever, right? They have all those kind of warnings. I'm like, where was this for the last fucking 20 years, 30 years, however long the internet is around with all this absolutely atrocious, you know, information. And also where can we get those warnings for like traditional news media um, for a number of reasons, but in, especially in terms of uh, nutrition as well, like they print absolute fucking dog crap. Right. But anyway, that's my little rant to start this off. Gary protein fat loss. What is the story? Why is it important? Why should we care? Should we care? What's up? Number one, most important reason you should consume protein when you're trying to lose fat is because you're not just trying to lose fat. Okay. That's the the reality. You're trying to maintain muscle or gain muscle. Ideally, it's important for a number of different reasons. One, we know that people who consume uh, more protein and also partake in resistance training, of course, and maintain more muscle as a result 
they tend to do better with weight loss maintenance. Okay. So that's one of the things you see pretty consistently. If people maintain their muscle, people are consuming more protein. The weight loss maintenance tends to be uh, superior. Okay. So that's the first thing. That's a pretty important outcome. Um, and uh, what was I going to say there? Uh, that's the muscle. Oh yes. Obviously you're trying to, you know, maintain good body composition as well. So that's the second aspect It's not just the waist lot, weight loss maintenance. You want to actually have, you know, a decent physique. A lot of the time people are often looking to lose body fat, but to get some sort of toned look or muscular look potentially. So if you've got more protein in the diet, then you're able to maintain the muscle that you have and maintain a more aesthetic look. So not only is it from the perspective of weight loss maintenance, but also the aesthetic outcomes. And then of course, the functional outcomes. And this is particularly important longer term, where if you're consuming um, more protein and thus maintaining more muscle mass, you're likely to have better health because of having more muscle mass, particularly um, into older age where you'll have higher levels of, of muscle and higher levels of bone mass as well as a result of that muscle and the exercise that comes with it. So overall, it definitely makes sense uh, from a muscle maintenance perspective or muscle gain perspective to ensure that you are consuming enough protein, especially because we know that the conditions required for fat loss um, are hypocaloric, and that's going to lead to uh, potentially a preferential uh, loss of muscle versus if you were, you know, gaining, let's say. So if you're already in a condition where you're likely to be losing uh, body weight overall, then maintaining your protein intake uh, to push things in, in the direction of muscle anabolism is uh, quite important. So that's the first thing. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. And this is, this is one of those things where people, unfortunately, they kind of think that they can put on the long finger. They can be like, oh, like, I'll just, I'll think about that in the future. But unfortunately, what happens is people do think about it in the future. And what I mean by this is we're not actually aware of our muscle mass and our muscle mass retention throughout our lives, especially as you're younger, like you're basically banking it up now, banking up strength, banking up a, we'll call it a muscle reserve as well as a strength reserve for later in life. You know, yeah, okay, it's cool to be, you know, um, strong and athletic, whatever words you want to use when you're younger, be like, oh yeah, I can climb a tree, I can, you know, climb a mountain, I can go for a jog, I can run for the bus, etc. Like you're like, okay, that's all cool and stuff, you know, but we realistically want to maintain that stuff later in life. Like I don't want to fall and break my hip. I want to be able to, Oh, I tripped over that thing, but I actually have the strength to, you know, catch myself before I actually fall, you know? And then also as like you get older and for a number of reasons, which we've talked about previously on the podcast, um, like you do lose muscle as you age. Again, potentially there are ways to somewhat mitigate that. Um, but you see this all the time. People will be like 60 and they'd be like, oh, I just don't have, I just can't go for a walk. You know, I basically like sit in a chair all day, you know, and I'm like, oh, I teeter to the kitchen and to the bathroom. And that's literally it. That's all I can do. You know, it's like you basically become a prisoner. And the unfortunate thing about that is you, you've actually put yourself there because you didn't focus on these things earlier in life, you know, and you can say like, oh, well, I was doing X, Y, Z and I didn't have time or I didn't have whatever, but it's like, they're actually not that hard to focus on. It's like, you need to eat some protein and you need to do some, you know, resistance training, we'll say, you know, it's like, okay, obviously there are severe barriers for a lot of people uh, to doing that, but also there are not 
I said a lot, a lot uh, severe barriers to an awful lot of people as well, and they still end up in the same position. You know, like it's it's a it's a no brainer when you actually think about it across your lifetime. But unfortunately, us as humans are pretty terrible at long term planning, and we like to live in the here and now. You know, like this is really funny as well because people will say like oh millennials they live in the here and now and like you know they you know plan for the future etc and i'm like all of you old people clearly weren't eating correctly or clearly weren't doing resistance training and it's not like you didn't know the benefits you know it's you you had the information you know you just chose to ignore it so you are clearly also ones that are not good at long-term planning and just in a different way you know but anyway that's a little bit of an aside 100% protein intake is going to be beneficial more so than just looking at the fat loss. And this is one of those things, you know, we're pretty big here at triage and we're pretty big on not just looking at, Oh, there's this one outcome that we could potentially manipulate. And, you know, let's look at things in real isolation. Like we've said it before and we say repeatedly, I'm like, there's basically three goals you can have with all of this health and fitness stuff. It's, you know, improve body composition, whatever that means for you, that could be mean, you know, improving or increasing muscle, losing muscle, increasing body fat, losing body fat, whatever, you know, you want to improve your body composition uh, for health outcomes, whatever. But on top of that, stuff that you can manipulate with the training, the diet, etc., you can then improve your health. You know, as I said, that might be as a function of body fat or body composition, changes in body fat, changes in muscle mass, etc. And um, but it might not, it might just be, you know, actual health habits, right? And then obviously, the final thing that people focus on is performance. And guess what? Protein helps with all three of those things. It helps with improving body composition. It helps with improving health and it helps with improving performance. So there, it is rare that you get uh, an intervention that hits all three of them regardless, you know? And so we obviously want to focus on those big hitters like sleep, for example, would be another one, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's all three of those. We probably want to focus on sleep. We want to probably want to get that dialed in because it's going to be beneficial for pretty much every single goal that you could possibly have, right? So we want to have enough protein for, we'll call it muscle retention and then potentially gain as well. Because if you're going on a fat loss diet and you've never done any resistance training before, or maybe any training ever before, and you start training, of course, you're going to be able to gain some muscle as well. Even advanced trainees who, you know, they change up their diet, they change up their training, they do whatever, have the potential to gain some muscle while losing fat. Is it likely? No, well, it's less likely than someone who is a beginner or in er- an earlier stage of their physique progression, their muscle progression, whatever. But it is still a possibility. And um, so we do obviously want to focus on protein intake, right? Um, but on top of that, there are other benefits, right? So, well, you have anything else to say on just the, the muscle retention side of things? Because there are a few other things that we could you know, note on that. I don't think so. I think that's okay. Fantastic, Gary. Um, yeah, so like, look, protein helps with muscle retention. It helps with muscle building. It's obviously going to be fantastic for people who are looking to improve their body composition or their performance. And it also helps with health. And one of the ways that it, well, I suppose actually, one of the ways that it does this is that like, we often get caught up in this like thought process of like, oh, this is just a, a single macronutrient or like, oh, this is protein intake. Like this is, you know, it's just protein. It, you just think of the macros from it, right? But in reality, it's like, we need to think of the whole food, you know, matrix, if you will, you know, like what's coming along with that protein, you know, or what is that protein actually displacing in the diet as well, right? Um, because oftentimes, and this is repeated in the, the literature as well, like, if you overfeed, well, I say overfeed, if you increase 
people's protein in the diet, you know, so they go from having however much percentage of their diet, let's say 5% of their diet, right? It's just protein, right? And there's no actual focus on like eating meats, no actual focus on eating like protein rich foods. They basically just eat like carbohydrates because that's how most people eat, right? <laughs> and they're carbohydrates and fats, you know, that's literally it, you know? Um, and all of a sudden you bring their protein up to like, let's say 25% of the diet, all of a sudden, a lot of beneficial things go on in terms of health, in terms of like body composition, in terms of performance, in terms of increases in satiety, which we'll, we'll get onto in a minute. And um, in terms of, you know, a whole lot of good st stuff happens. So you'd be like, right, why are we not doing this intervention? Right. And unfortunately there's a whole host of reasons why that is the, the case, but one of the ways that it, it protein helps with this is because or helps with all of these different things is because it comes along with a load of beneficial nutrients as well. You know, it comes along with iron, for example, like, especially in like red meats. And like, this is obviously really beneficial. Like I couldn't tell you the amount of, especially female clients that I've had that are like, Oh, I have just low energy, you know, I'm kind of lethargic. And I'm like, okay, like they come to us and they're like, okay, we need to increase protein intake. And just that little bump in protein. They're like, Oh, well, actually I've noticed that my energy levels are much you know, better. I'm in a better position. And I'm like, okay, now we need to like dial in. Maybe we're going to have like red meat just twice a week you know it's like this we're just gonna focus on that and now all of a sudden they're like man my energy levels are through the roof i feel great you know my libido is up or libido i don't know how to say that fucking word libido. but whatever they're like oh, i feel great why am i why haven't not been doing this you know and it's like okay look there's other things it's not just the protein like we didn't change well first of all we did that initial change to the protein intake but then we didn't change it after that but we changed the source and all of a sudden we were getting these other beneficial nutrients such as iron right and um, which obviously has an impact on your ability to carry oxygen around your body and if you don't have oxygen in your tissues well guess what you're not going to have energy because we need that sweet sweet oxygen to actually Utilize energy, right? Um, or rather make energy, I suppose you would say. Um, but there's other things in the, the food matrix, this overall like protein source that we're eating, like B12, you know, you're not really going to get that elsewhere in the diet except for meat uh, zinc, for example, like, it's pretty hard to get that if you're not eating enough protein, right? And again, where else are you going to really get it? Like there are other sources, nuts, other little things around in the diet, but they're also unfortunately things that people generally don't eat. You know, people always do that. They're like, oh, well, you can get your uh, protein intake needs from broccoli or something. You're like, yeah, no one's eating fucking 12 kilos of broccoli per day. Like no one's going to do that. Let's actually use a source that's easy to actually get into the diet right and um, but there are other things as well such as like calcium especially if you're using like you know dairy sources for your protein and um, which again depending on the population these could be you know just minuscule additions to the diet you're like oh it doesn't make a huge difference but then there could also be absolutely life-changing additions to the diet again maybe iron for example calcium as well for example in uh, people that have like a risk of like osteoporosis, fractures, bone breaks, etc. And like protein also helps with the absorption and you know, potential utilization of that calcium as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on just above and beyond just looking at it from a fat loss perspective, even though it helps with fat loss, right? Do you have anything else to say on that, Gary? Because I'm going to get onto how it potentially helps with fat loss now, because I mentioned a few things there. No, I think that's pretty clear. We can, um, we can go on to that. Fantastic. Well, one of the ways that protein intake helps with fat loss, you know, like it has a myriad of benefits. We could sit here all day and wax lyrical about like, oh, protein is fantastic, blah, blah, blah. I don't think most people want to sit here and listen to two, three hours of protein discussion. They want to be like, right, 
like why is it good why is it potentially good to be focusing on that in a fat loss diet or on a fat loss diet and and you know what am i getting what return on investment am i getting from that and then also how much should i be eating right and we'll we'll kind of answer those questions but one of the ways that protein really helps on a fat loss diet is that it actually interacts with we'll call them gut hormones peptides whatever you want to call them right and and this has the effect of increasing satiety right? So you can imagine on a fat loss diet, we want to do things that increase satiety, you know, like most people, I say most people, it depends on the population or whatever. Most people fail uh, a diet because they're hungry. You know, would you agree with that statement, Gary? Like that's, you know, I think most people fail a diet because they're hungry. Clear. Yeah. Like it's, you know, that's, that's what happens. You know, people end up having cravings. They're like, oh, really? Like uh, I need to eat something like sweet or I need to have, you know, chocolate or whatever. And you look at their diet and you're like, you actually eat very little protein. You know, it's like you like this, this is not, this is not beneficial if we're actually looking to increase the satiety of your diet. And there are other ways as well. Fiber seems to do a great job of that. Slows gastric emptying, whatever. The protein has a really really cool way of doing it it just interacts with that glp and we've talked about that before in the obesity series um but it is one of those things where it's like it interacts with this when i say interacts i don't want to get into the actual mechanisms because it's kind of boring and you kind of need some diagrams and stuff but basically you have increased satiety from eating protein right and that leads to a situation where you spontaneously if you're just again as i said earlier on there's an intervention you could do where you're just like right let's just increase your protein from where it's at if it's in a low amount get it up to like 25 percent of the diet let's just say right um, and all of a sudden people start spontaneously eating fewer calories right and you're like why would that happen and it's because they're not hungry right they're like oh i actually am satiated so i've eaten food and i actually feel full right and i've seen this time and time again in like clients that you have come on they're like oh i've always failed the diet because i i end up being hungry and i just can't stick to it right and one way to deal with that is obviously not being as aggressive with the calorie deficit but another way of dealing with that is actually getting them sufficient protein you know like i've had people that are like oh the last time i dieted on 1600 calories or whatever i was miserable i was hungry all the time you know and it's like okay then we got some protein in the diet and we're still on the 1600 calories and all of a sudden they're like wow, I feel full. I feel satiated. I feel great. I have energy, et cetera. You know, it's like, there's different, like, it's not just all calories. It, how you actually fill those calories does matter. It does actually make a difference. And again, I could go through countless examples of how this makes a difference. You can also go on PubMed and look at countless interventions in terms of increasing protein and seeing people be like, yeah, okay, I'm actually more satiated. I'm fuller for longer. I feel good. You know, and you can also go on, especially if you are someone that deals with cravings, you're like, oh, I crave like sweet, salty, whatever flavor. I don't know. Umami, maybe you crave that. I don't know. You know, like you're like, I crave these different foods. And all of a sudden, when you increase protein intake, people are like, oh, actually, I don't have as many of those cravings. You know, that's not to say that's the only intervention you could do for that. I'm not saying it's the absolute most effective intervention but it is a thing that you will see in the research where people go i increase my protein intake again i'm just picking an arbitrary like 25 percent because you often see that quoted in the literature we don't usually use percentages when we're you know dictating if you will uh protein intake and um, we use like you know grams per pound or grams per kilo or whatever um but we'll just use 25 percent all of a sudden you see oh wow your cravings are much reduced you're actually able to stick to the diet we wanted you to stick to you're hung, you're not as hungry throughout the day and you feel great so you can imagine right now if we're on a fat loss diet and the goals we have for this fat loss diet are to 
have energy while we're on the fat loss side, you know, everyone wants to have energy, right? You want to feel great and you want to end up looking great, right? Like, right, this is, this, they're most people's goals, you know? I don't know, I would like to see people be like, oh yeah, like I want to be healthy as well and I want to have great performance. But once we're talking about fat loss, people kind of throw those goals out the window, even though protein does actually help with those goals. But, you know, most people are like, oh, I want to just feel good while I am on track to look good in their opinion you know i'm like i'm not here to make a, a value judgment in terms of how your physique looks right um but that's what most people want on a fat loss diet they want to feel good while they're trying to look good right and protein helps with that all of a sudden you're like oh wow it's actually leading to either an increase in muscle mass right which actually gives you the shape that you want you know very few people are like oh i actually just want to become a smaller version of myself you know people want to have a certain shape right um so it helps with that. And if you've already built that, it helps retain that, right? But then also it helps you feel less hungry on the deficit, right? On the diet. So what is not to like? And I know I'm preaching to the choir here because a lot of people listening to this are interested in health, fitness, et cetera. So they're like, yeah, of course I have you know, protein in a diet. Why wouldn't I? But you have to remember, especially if you are a coach, like the people coming to you, like they maybe have protein at dinner right? That's maybe it. You know, they might be like, oh, I have a chicken breast. Like I've had people come to me and they literally for the last 10, 15 years of their life, they've had maybe 25 grams of protein per day. And half of that is coming from like, you know, accessory sources. It's like, oh, some of my protein was in my bread, you know, <laughs> like that that's where they're getting their protein source from. So it's like, you have to remember, you have to put yourself into the average person's shoes and realize that they're not eating like, oh, a chicken breast every single meal, four times per day. They're not getting 200 plus grams of protein per day. Not that everyone has to, I'm just saying like, you know, fitness enthusiasts are like, oh yeah, 300 grams of protein, no bother, you know, when in reality it's like, okay, like the average person struggles to get 30 grams of protein. Right. Um, so yeah, protein is pretty fucking beneficial if you're on a diet. Do you have anything to say on that, Gary? Because you're going to be quiet. Yes, on the satiety thing, there's another factor here, and I'll I'll tread carefully on my words here because it's true but false. And that is that protein sources, protein-rich foods, are not as easy to overeat. They're not that palatable. And give me a second. <laughs> of course, steak and burgers and brisket, etc., are the most absolutely delicious foods on the planet. You know, my mouth is watering. But one of the things that comes with those delicious meats, um, if we think of meat as being the classic protein source, is that it requires a bit more chewing. You generally take your time a bit more when eating it rather than, let's say... Also, just as well, generally requires a bit more prep, you know? Yeah, that as well. You go into a shop, you're like, oh, I'll have some fucking biscuits. Like, there are biscuits everywhere. You're not going to be like, oh, yeah, give me that cooked meat. You know, obviously there are like, you know, deli meats, etc. But anyway, that's an aside. Yeah, and even like even the act of having to cut the meat and everything like that's that's a classic tip that I would give to people when bulking very often is use mincemeat instead of like uh, steaks. And that's something I would do myself because you're what I'm able to do then is mix it in with uh, rice and just shovel it in spoon by spoon. Whereas if you have to eat that same um, same calories, let's say from steak and I don't know, baked potatoes that you need to put that bit much more effort into cooking and, and preparing and cutting, etc. It's it's just a it's just a practical reason as to why it would be more satiating because we do know as well that I mean, regardless of the macronutrient, 
as people slow down the speed at which they're eating, they're more likely to be satiated because there's there's kind of there's multiple different steps in the satiety response. So like how full you feel after a meal. Some of those are related to the actual nutrients uh, being released into the blood and, and the signals between the stomach um, or the intestine uh, and the brain. But also there's, you know, the stretch receptors within your stomach. So there's multiple different things going on. And the thing is, that there's a delay in some of those responses. So you might find, and we've all experienced this, where you scoff down a meal really quickly and you thought you were hungry enough to have all that. But then 10, 20 minutes later, you feel absolutely stuffed way too full. So one of the things um, meat in particular uh, tends to do there, if you need to cut, cut your steak and chew it thoroughly um, to, to finish it, the meal takes longer and therefore you get more of those satiety responses by the end of the meal. So that's not necessarily the protein itself, but rather the, the types of foods that people might get that protein from. Yeah, hundred percent. And again, this is one of those things that if you just purely look at it from a macronutrient perspective, you kind of miss the forest, you know, and yeah. you're just like, Oh, like, it's just, it's just the, the protein, like, you know, it's the same protein, but it's like, no, it's not really, like you said, even just like having something that you have to chew more on, like, you know, like a chicken breast or something versus mince, you know, it's like, there are differences in that. And obviously that impacts stuff down the line in terms of like how satiated you feel. Um, but even just from a macronutrient perspective, like if we equate the, the calories, equate the protein and stuff, and it's like, okay, like these are relatively similar. So then we start looking at, okay, like you said, it's like, there are different ways that we can prepare this. There are different ways that we can actually go about interacting with the diet that lead to different outcomes, right? And again, people tend not to focus on that stuff because there's so much nuance, you know, it's like, like we in, in the health and fitness world, especially if you talk to people who coach like fat loss, like you will find little diet hacks, you know, you will find people like, Oh, like potatoes are more satiating than rice. You know, it's like, okay, cool. Like you might recommend changing you're on a diet. You're like, you might recommend changing your rice that you've been having for the last, however many fucking weeks, months, years, whatever. You're like, okay, we're going to change that to potatoes because it keeps you feeling fuller for longer. Right. And you'll stumble across all of these different diet hacks. You frequent forums, you talk to bodybuilders, whatever you'll find them, you know? Um, but bringing it back to protein, it's like, this is also one of those hacks, you know, you'll talk to successful dieters who've maintained that weight loss that they were looking to get. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, what's a commonality here. It's like, Oh, well, actually I get enough protein in my diet. Right. So like success leaves clues, you know, it's a common adage, you know? So it's like, you should be looking to the practices of people that are successful, that have been successful. And one of those practices is having enough protein in the diet, right? It really does help with both like the actual dieting itself, keeps you feeling fuller for longer, keeps you, you know, retaining more muscle, potentially gaining muscle while you're dieting. And then also it actually helps with your long-term like weight maintenance and um, like it kind of prevents weight regain, especially if you are having these or you do have these, we'll call them good health habits overall. Cause as again, frequent listeners will know we're pretty big on creating good health habits rather than just, Oh, here's your calories and macros. Let's focus on fat loss. It's like, that's, that's not really helpful. You know, obviously it is helpful, but it's helpful up to a point. And what we really want to do is 
create long-term health for people. And, you know, one part of that might be a fat loss phase, but like what's at the back end of that? Like what's, what, what comes after that? You know, it can't just be like, Oh, I'm on a, I'm on a deficit for the rest of my life. You know, it's like, that's, that's fucking miserable. You know, <laughs> like imagine never getting to have the, the joys of more calories in your life, you know, cause you're like, Oh, like I have to stick to this fat loss diet, you know? And we don't want that. We want to have a, diverse fantastic tasty diet for the rest of our life you know while still getting results you know um but yeah so there's also other mechanisms by which protein helps with fat loss itself like protein itself has a higher thermic effect of feeding so you actually spend more calories to kind of break that protein down assimilate that protein now it's relatively negligible but it does add up and this is one of the reasons as well why is, well, potentially also why it keeps you feeling fuller for longer because it does have a higher thermic effect, which is a little bit counterintuitive. You would think if you start spending more calories, you would be hungrier, but you have to remember it's like, it's like, and I hate these kind of terms because they were kind of butchered, but it is kind of like keeping that like metabolic furnace going. It's kind of stoking the fire, so to speak. So it's like, you know, like things are ticking along. So you're not necessarily thinking about hunger uh, during those times, right? Um, and as I said earlier on, it does potentially displace other nutrients in the diet and gary touched on this earlier on as well when he's talking about the palatability of protein um if you're having more protein in your diet that potentially means that you're having less hyper palatable stuff in your diet right like if you increase again we'll just use the percentages if you increase your protein intake from five percent of your diet to 25 percent, like there's a 20 percent there like where did that go you know like what nutrients did we displace you know so it has the potential to displace hyper palatable foods, hyper palatable nutrients. And what I mean by hyper palatable nutrients or foods, foods that you're going to over consume on, you know, they're just fucking tasty, you know, like high calorie stuff is generally tasty. Like there's no one out there that can tell me that butter is not tasty. Like I would literally eat a stick of butter. It's fucking tasty, you know, especially Irish butter. And you get that stuff. I know everyone is like, oh, Kerrygold is the best butter, blah, blah, blah. They've clearly never had Glenstall butter, you know. But anyway, that's a, an absolute aside. I won't say that again in front of a, a fine Kerry man like yourself, Gary. Um, but like stuff like that is really tasty. You know, chocolate is really tasty. If you start mixing carbohydrates and fats together, fucking delicious, you know, like absolutely. Like you could literally fry sugar and it would be fucking fantastic, you know, because that's basically what people do. They fry bread, you know, <laughs> so it's like, this is fantastic, right? Tastes delicious, right? And it's literally just carbs and fats, you know, same with pizza. Like pizza is literally just carbs and fats. And again, I'm fucking here for it. It's delicious, right? But if you're increasing your protein intake. All of a sudden, we start displacing those other nutrients. We start displacing some of those foods and the protein starts taking up a larger chunk of your plate potentially it starts getting rid of some of these other you know things you start thinking about okay where can i get a protein source with this meal that then start having having this knock-on effect of like oh well i actually need to make a better meal choice overall because i need to get my protein intake at this meal for the day whatever and rather than just going into a restaurant and being like oh i'll have i don't know whatever i said pizza earlier on so something else but anyway we have like pizza and you're like all right i'm actually not that full after that and maybe I'll get the ice cream afterwards and, you know, I'm still, I'm still not, not that full, you know, I'll have something else after it. You know, it's like that very often happens to people and protein kind of prevents that because first of all, it forces you to make better choices. You know, like maybe you're like, oh, well, I have to get a protein source with my 
pizza that I want to have. So maybe I'll have a smaller pizza and I'll have like a chicken breast or something. I don't know, whatever. You have your own food tastes, you know? Um, and all of a sudden it starts leading you to a situation where you're like, oh, well, actually, no, I'm not as hungry because that protein has had that beneficial effect on hunger, satiety. And then you're like, okay, actually, I don't need to get that ice cream afterwards. I don't need to get that other meal 20 minutes afterwards. I don't, I'm not reaching for that little bit of chocolate after my dinner where I'm like, mm, I need something, you know, I need, I'm craving a little bit of something sweet, sugary, whatever. And it's like all of a sudden, like those kind of things just go away when you have enough protein, you know? And again, if you've never done this yourself, you might be like, Oh, like that's just not true. You know, I've eaten high protein days, but you do that consistently. Like this stuff just kind of just melts away. Like all these issues that people run into on diets, they just kind of melt away. You know, you see, it almost becomes effortless. Like it almost feels like cheating, you know, where you're just like, well, I don't, why don't like, I used to have severe cravings or I used to have these issues and they're kind of gone now, you know? And it's like, yeah, you just increased your protein. It's fantastic. Right. Um, so yeah, there are a few of my thoughts on that. Gary, do you have anything else to say? Any other thoughts on protein before we get stuck into, well, two questions, uh, how much protein you need and do you need to actually increase your protein on a fat loss diet? No, I think there you go. Protein's a miracle drug, as Patty said. Pretty much is. And again, it's a fantastic intervention. Like if you're thinking about this, like as a population-wide intervention rather than like an individual intervention, you'd be like, right, I can actually just tell people to eat more. And all of a sudden they start spontaneously losing weight. You know, like that sounds like a fantastic intervention. No? You would agree, Gary, yes? I would, yeah. That'd be sounds great. And it, Not for me, I want to gain weight, but uh, you know and it works as well so it's like well, i don't know why we don't do this um well i do know why we don't do this people just are like oh protein intake it's hard it's expensive like everything is expensive all food is expensive you know like the reason any food is cheap these days is because we subsidize it so like the the, the reason you're able to get your cheap <coughs> carbohydrates is because we subsidize all these grains so i'm like no food is cheap it's just they're it's being paid elsewhere you know um, but anyway, that's an aside. Um, so when we're looking at a fat loss diet, like as we said earlier on, we're trying to look for muscle retention, potentially some muscle gain. We're looking at the potential benefits of you know, satiety from having high protein intake. But what is an acceptable protein intake, Gary? What are your thoughts, first of all, just in general? And then if we're looking at fat loss in like specifically? As a general range, I would say somewhere between 1.6 and 2.5 grams per kilo is going to take care of most people. When in a deficit, I would consider two to three grams per kilo to be a, a decent range. Um, so relative to your body weight, obviously. And then I would also consider it with respect to your starting uh, body fat percentage. So if we take two to three grams per kilo um, as the, the range, the you know, the heavier you are, if you're 40% body fat, then sticking towards the lower end of that is going to be perfectly fine. Um, because we're generally considering protein to be relative or proportional to lean mass as opposed to, to adipose tissue. So, um, yeah, they, they, they're kind of my ranges that I use most of the time. Yeah. And on, on that note, like I generally use the same ranges, but what I'll do is like, like ideally you would use lean mass. Like that would be the absolute perfect, you know, like, ideal we have lean mass we know exactly how much we can how much protein we need because fat mass doesn't really need all that much protein right it's not really doing there's no real protein metabolism going on there there is some stuff going on but it's you know negligible right so ideally we would use lean mass which includes all of your muscles organs etc right it's not just like 
you know, muscles as most people think, right? Um, but we don't have that data oftentimes. Even if you get a DEXA scan, it's not that accurate. I'm sorry for everyone saying, oh, I'm 3% on a DEXA scan or whatever. It's, it's just not that accurate. Um, but ideally, we would use that. But we don't have that data. So how do we do that? Again, we use these kind of like proxy. First of all, the numbers we're giving, they're kind of proxy numbers. They're already taking that into account a little bit. Obviously, if you start going into the higher end of the range, you know, it's a little bit... Unless you're very lean, it's like, yeah, those numbers get a bit skewed. But one thing that I've mentioned before in the podcast, I always, I often do is I'll just get people's height in centimeters and I'll be like, all right, that's a rough, you know, if you have someone that comes to you and they're obese, right. And you're like, like, we should be setting this off, you know, muscle mass, lean mass, rather than just total mass. Like if you have someone that comes to you and they're 600 pounds, you know, or whatever, you know, you're like, whatever that is, 270 kilos ish, you know, and you're like, oh, well, we want to have like, we'll go for the 600 pounds. You're like, oh, we want to have a gram per pound. Let's just say that. Right. And you're like, that's just reckless. Like people getting these like 600 gram protein intake days, you know, and like, yeah, that's probably going to lead to a lot of satiety. You know, they're definitely not going to overconsume on that, but it's probably not the most beneficial. It's probably not the best use of their calories. Right. And um, so what I often do in those cases, I'm like, look, we'll actually just use the number that is, you know, your height in centimeters. Like, for example, I'm about 195 centimeters and like my protein requirements for me, what I eat per day, roughly 200 grams. So those numbers are pretty similar, you know, um, and I am about 92 to 95 kilos, you know, so it's like for me, those numbers work out perfectly. But if I was obese, those numbers would also be really beneficial because if I was obese right now, same height, whatever, I could still be like, right, I kind of need to have about 195 grams of protein. So, you know, 200, give or take, I'd still be able to get a good estimate of that, right? Now, obviously this is severely caveated because people are going to have way less muscle. They're going to have way more muscle and there's so much in between there. And ideally we would use lean mass. But again, we don't have that. So I often just refer back to that height. Um, but yeah, my numbers would be kind of the same. Like I'm always like, it's actually pretty easy to get enough protein because you can basically just say that the range for protein intake is like the very bare minimum or like one gram. And like the kind of top end is three grams per kilo. You know, like you're like, oh, look, I'm just really like scraping the barrel. I have no money. It's really expensive to get protein, whatever. It's not actually. And um, oftentimes it's cheaper than other carbohydrates. Again, if we talk about subsidies here. Um, but uh, what I was going to say, uh, like you could be like, all right, look, we get one gram per kilo here, right? We're just scraping the absolute bottom barrel here. Like you can make it work, right? And then up at that three grams, it's like, okay, like you're probably getting an excessive amount for what you actually need. But again, there are potential benefits for that, depending on the type of athlete that you're dealing with, depending on the type of individual that you're dealing with. Um, so there are benefits. For me, I'm like, look, realistically, somewhere in between that kind of 1.8 to 2.5, that's where I find most people find their best performance, find their best health. Now, again, I can say that with the, the knowledge that I'm like, oh, I know how to adjust that based on these different outcomes that this individual is coming to me for. But if we're just talking about fat loss and we're talking generic, I'm going to say, look, let's just get two grams per kilo. You know, you're going to get basically everyone with that. You know, it's like two grams per kilo. You're good to go. Right now, we can make a pretty good argument to say that protein requirements actually go up when you're dieting, right? Because you're in a calorie deficit. So muscle retention, muscle gain, potentially harder. Um, and you could make a very strong argument for that. However, it really only becomes a strong argument once people get quite lean 
you know, in my opinion, anyway, like once you're in that kind of 10 to 20% body fat range, I'm like, muscle loss is just not, it's just not a concern as long as you're getting your like bare minimum protein requirements, you know, like obviously it's more of a concern if you're in this like fucking 2000 calorie deficit, you're in this really like aggressive deficit, but for most people, it's just not a concern. Would you agree with that, Gary? I would, yes. Fantastic. Insightful as always, you know, um, but yeah, generally I'm like, look, a fat loss diet, two grams per kilo of protein, and you're pretty good to go. I just wouldn't overthink it after that. You can have a little bit more. You can have a little bit less, not that hard. Ideally, we want to space that out throughout the day again, for society reasons, but then also for the loosing content of that stimulating muscle protein synthesis, as well as we just want to have that continuous flux of amino acids dripping into the bloodstream. So you feel like a fucking animal all day. Right. And um, I don't really have much else to say with protein. It's fantastic. Again, we can sit here all day and talk absolute waffle about how fantastic protein is. But when we're looking at fat loss, really, there's a few things that we want to be aware of. Protein intake is fantastic for satiety. Protein intake is fantastic for muscle gain slash retention. And you potentially need a little bit more when you're dieting, but unless you're being really aggressive with your calories, it's probably not a concern for most people listening to this. And protein also helps with like long-term weight maintenance and uh, kind of, I'm going to say stops or helps prevent weight regain, you know, which is most people don't want to just lose weight to then have to lose it again in the future because they've regained it and the protein that you eat you need to think of it more so or more than just like oh here's a macronutrient there is a whole food matrix that goes along with it like everyone seems to associate like fruits and vegetables with you know oh i get my vitamins and minerals but meat you know probably has a comparable amount of vitamins and minerals in it they're different obviously you know different vitamins and minerals and but they're still absolutely chock block full of vitamins and minerals, right? Um, so when you think of that whole like protein matrix rather than just the, the macronutrient, and then we also need to think about, especially as coaches, especially as people making you know policy or whatever, um, that the foodstuffs that we eat, they do have the potential to, first of all, change how we interact with the diet, but then also they potentially have the uh, ability to displace other things from the diet you know so if you increase your protein intake or you choose certain types of protein intake then all of a sudden that's going to lead to a knock-on effect elsewhere like if you choose like fattier cuts of meat it's like all of a sudden your fat macros are going to be impacted as well you know potentially your cholesterol potentially your ldl or whatever is going to also be impacted you know so it's like we need to be aware of these different things and when we are actually advocating for certain diet styles or whatever right and then if we're just looking for like, you know, brass tacks of it, practical information, it's like, right, have a protein serving three to four times per day and try to get roughly, again, broad statement here, broad brush strokes, two grams per kilo um, of protein per day. And again, you can do those math, do the maths yourself. And you might look at that and go, wow, that's fucking a load of protein. You might look at that and go, that's fuck all protein, right? But that's rough numbers, you know, like, and that's also relative to you and where you are at this time. Um, like you might be again, overweight, you might be really, really thin, really, really frail. And those numbers might not be the best for you. But again, this is where like stuff like coaching comes in rather than just going like, Oh, I'll just get this generalized information, you know? Anyway, Gary, do you have anything else to say about 
the magnificent, the fantastic, the majestic protein intake? And if not, where can people find us? Nope. You know, eat more protein, not too much, but definitely not too little. And you'll do well. I would I would recommend. Um, anyway, guys, uh, if you would like a specialized help with your nutrition and you want to work with a coach, we do have coaching spaces available. So you can get on board if you'd like, particularly if you're looking to, you know, pursue some sort of goal that you've been struggling to achieve yourself. We can help you get there for sure. So you can work with one of our team. Otherwise, you can follow us on social media and make sure you're keeping up with the content we're putting out for free, you know, the podcast, as well as other organic content on social media. You can follow Triage Method. You can follow myself at Skinny Gaz, Patty at The Real Patty Farrell, Brian at Brian O'Hengesa, and now Nicola at Nicola Flanagan. Not sure if she's putting up posts just yet, but, you know, you can... Uh, Check her out as well. She's a valued member of the team. So she's also taking on clients. Nicola just started with us. Um, she is a qualified medical doctor herself, and she's a great coach, and we're delighted to have her on board. So if you'd like to work with Nicola or either of the other three of us, um, you can uh, drop us a message. Also, you can subscribe to the newsletter. We swap to sending the newsletter out on a monthly basis, so it'll be a bit more substantial bit more stuff in there so do subscribe and make sure that you're checking that out i know some people don't like getting newsletters on a weekly basis you know sometimes you don't get around to them but monthly i think that's more achievable so next newsletter will be going out on the first of august so make sure you are subscribed um other than that what else do we have going on we've got you know, the Coach's Corner, as always, you can subscribe if you're a coach and you're looking to support your education. Uh, of course, if you're an interested trainee, you're more than welcome in there as well. Uh, today, we had two new lectures posted, one on the female physique and one on the anatomy of the leg, ankle and foot. So new content uh, coming every week. So do subscribe if you're interested in your education and um, podcast, you know, share it around, tell a friend, leave a review if you can, or just pop it on your story. We appreciate it. Yes, and I have nothing else to say except I hope, uh, well, first of all, I hope the sun continues because we're recording this on a yes. beautiful sunny Friday in the mighty Ireland. Um, and I hope wherever people are, they're enjoying the weather and they continue to enjoy it. And I hope it stays sunny. Anyway, I will catch you on the next one, guys. Enjoy yourself. <laughs>